right. Well, welcome to another edition of Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast, Digging In. I'm your host, Garrett Hawkins. And today I am thrilled to talk about one of Farm Bureau's priority issues, broadband deployment. And with me is one of the key voices and architects as we think about the path forward in Missouri. So I am joined by State Representative Lewis Riggs. Hello, Representative. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the program. I'm just curious, uh, is there any significance to having me on as a guest on April Fool's Day? (laughs) That is a very fair question, Representative, but I hadn't even thought that far ahead. Uh, (laughs) I've been out doing chores and haven't had time to really think about uh, any jokes yet. I think my wife is very concerned and my kids should be concerned about that. So, so, but I guess you could be fair game, but we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. Always fair game. (laughs) Well, yeah, this is fun because both of us, uh, have been involved in this conversation prior to the roles that we're in today. I mean, you and I have been talking about broadband for, for some time. And uh, maybe just to get us started, Representative, maybe just tell us a little bit more about you as well as the district that you represent. All right. Well, I started this journey back in 2016, uh, part of the group that we meet annually uh, every year, literally in the middle of uh, this the state for us at, at Brookfield. Or Marceline, depending on what year we're, we're there. But uh, Highway 36 coalition uh, is basically northeast meets northwest. And depending on how you count it, 35, 40 counties have representation there. We started this process in 2016. So I was there as part of the Northeast Missouri Development Partnership. Randy Railsback, who is my seatmate on the floor, was also there. And his uh, prior wife is uh, RPC director at Green Hills. Uh, so we, we spent the entire morning basically complaining, 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 uh, as groups like that often do. First time we ever sat down to meet, uh, we ate a very good meal and the afternoon session as well. On that, we got that out of our system. What are we going to do about it? Um, there were like five discussion points up on the board. And the first one was broadband. We never stopped talking about broadband uh, because it was just that important. And everything else was was in you know insignificant compared to what broadband wasn't doing for us and what it could do uh so that that's something that i have basically been working on this uh from the grassroots level from that moment forward as part of the legislative committee uh, that started out of that uh then of course uh, moved over into the missouri house that was my signature issue it has been since i got there i, I preach it I obsess over it. And I tell people, if, if you want me to, to go away and start talking about something else, give me everything I ask for, and I'll find something new to obsess over. Um, but this is something that touches concerns everything we do in the state of Missouri. And from a Farm Bureau standpoint, uh, I go back to 2017, and we had a meeting there at Farm Bureau, there were, I don't know, 120 people roughly providers, stakeholders, just the entire state, some representation, and Farm Bureau spearheaded that. Uh, Farm Bureau spearheaded efforts in other states. I was able to go down to Arkansas last September for their inaugural kickoff. So they're basically four years behind us. But this is something Farm Bureau does. Farm Bureau has been a champion uh, of, of broadband since the beginning, actually since before the beginning. Uh, because everybody understands how important it is, not just to, to Farm Bureau, to, not just to precision agriculture, 
and our farming communities, but, but to the entire state. So it's something that we take very seriously. Um, it's a point now where uh, we passed through one uh, omnibus in 2020 that um, extended the, the sunset uh, on the broadband fund out to 2027. Uh, got another, you know, a couple of good things in there at that point. Uh, basically, three-year window on the state fund to, to create a sense of urgency to get the, the stuff deployed that we're actually be able to push out. Uh, the fund itself came in 2018 after the 2017 meeting. We got the fund, got the office, uh, and then 19 we actually put some money into uh, the fund. So it's been a long drawn out process then of course COVID struck uh, we saw over and over and over again just how many gaps there were in the state in terms of available broadband internet and for the folks who were, were stuck at home uh, initially you know the, the online education piece suffered mightily because we had folks out there with with hot spots that wouldn't activate because they didn't have sufficient cell phone signal we had tablets were issued to all the kids who couldn't upload their homework. I got the phone calls and a lot of my colleagues did uh, from mom on the parking lot of the school. They won't let my son in to use the bathroom, uh, but we're sitting out here in this parking lot uploading assignments. So another thing that we found as a result of COVID was the importance of symmetrical broadband. It's not just about download speeds, it's also about upload. We have a lot of folks now who work from home who wanted to work from home uh, for years, but weren't able to, well, COVID said, we're gonna do this, everybody, the social distance, whatever. I'm talking to people around the state now who've been in other offices for two years, they're never going back. Uh, but we also looked at what happened with the statewide workforce. So significant, I think 25% range of all the state workers were working from home. Um, but not everybody who wanted to work from home could because a lot of them didn't have sufficient broadband to do it. And I asked the office administration in the middle of this, it was like September of uh, 20, what's your job satisfaction? Are you measuring that? And the answer was yes. And so far at that point, it was 90% job satisfaction. People appreciated the flexibility, uh, the ability they didn't have to worry about childcare because they had the kids at home. And they were able to do their jobs from their own place uh, of residence. They you know, no transportation costs to speak up, and on and on it went. So there are a lot of positives that were bound up in that. Uh, but then there were the negatives. Um, so at the same time, all this was happening. The kids are home. Um, I got calls from people. You know, hey, I got this. You know, business account, uh, business hours. I'm, I'm being interrupted. I can't get my my product pushed out. My, my computer walks up and I'm just having a horrible time. Contacted DED, so what's going on? Well, at, at any given moment during business hours, 40, 45% of all the bandwidth in Missouri was soaked up by YouTube and Netflix. So people home streaming, I'm gonna give the kids the benefit of that with flipped classrooms that are watching YouTube for educational purposes. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. Don't know what that percentage was, but we're gonna be kind. Um, but at the same time, nobody saw that one coming at all. So the resilience of the existing network and the speeds available were something that, that also stood out. So from a legislative standpoint, um, we got the omnibus through 1768 and 2020. We got some really good stuff in 2021, not so much. And frankly, 2021 was a really interesting year for reasons I won't go into. Uh, 2022, we get the funds from the feds to say, okay, we're going to get this thing done. 
now. We're not going to wait around. Huge sums of money coming out. Another you know round of funding coming out here, 2023. Looking for guidance on that probably by the end of May of this year. What do we do with these funds? Uh, so it's time for us basically as a state to look at safeguards, the stewardship piece, and what do we actually want to do with these funds? How quickly do we want to get them out? What speeds do we want to be at? Uh, so I've got an omnibus we just passed out of committee yesterday morning. Um, does a lot of really neat stuff. Uh, Broadband Development Council. So we have stakeholder engagement, every congressional district. We have provider engagement. We, we have legislative oversight. We have a mapping piece. We have a research piece. We have vertical real estate. Basically say, if you're a subdivision of state government and you want to have a tower on your property to do a repeating signal, think of a consolidated school district, think of a rural water tower, think of a state office building, think of state property anywhere, conservation area, state park. We've got these all over the state. If you want to put up a tower, knock yourself out, here's your permission slip. Uh, so we're basically trying to open up every avenue we can to allow people to get out there in that space and help other people. So how are we going to get last last acre coverage? Um, it's not always going to be fiber. And I've told people I'm agnostic on technology, but I'm not agnostic on speed. Uh, so we need to be where's, where the feds are going to go, which is 100-100 symmetrical. We know that. They've already, quote, unquote, recommended it. Recommend today means require tomorrow, the year thereafter. Uh, we put the state standard in in 2018 and 25.3. 25.3 is obsolete. We knew it'd be obsolete. We just didn't know how fast. We're here. Um, so what, what this bill does, and some of this also does, is it sets the state benchmark at 100-100. Why keep playing follow the leader when we can actually be the leader? Also have some language in there that would allow our state attorney general to go after money from folks who default in our state. And this has been happening for years. And because these folks, you know, default, we got some bad actors from other states who come in here. They win these reverse auctions. They basically look at it and say, oh, gee, we can't make a profit here. So we're not going here. Um, that knocks out our folks, you know, those very census blocks for up to 10 years from the next round of those federal programs. Those are funds designated for the state of Missouri, for Missouri residents. We have to be able to get that money back. We have a state fund to put that in. We have a state track record. We have a challenge process that works. Ask any provider, they will tell you that. And long story short, we need to do it better than what the feds have done. That includes mapping, that includes research, it includes oversight, and the ability to claw these funds back. So at the end of the day, we're trying to put together a package that has enough in there to, to put us on a sustainable future for the next five to 10 years. And depending on what percentage, you know, folks are out there at 100, 100 symmetrical, put this, you know, stay on a path of prosperity for the next 40 or 50 years. We know that the technology we have, either putting it up in the air or bearing it with regard to fiber is going to last 40 to 50 years. There's your game changer. Uh, will everybody get fiber? No. But can we equip people to, to get these repeating signals off these towers? Yes. So we're trying to do everything humanly possible to facilitate that process, to get the speeds up to where they need to be, but also at the same time, get this deployed as quickly as humanly possible. So that is sort of the animating principle is, you know, speed. 
uh, speed itself in, in terms of physical access, but also speed itself and what you have on your device. So that, that's my rant for the morning. Thank you for, for teeing that up. Well, I mean, I guess I teed it up really well that you knocked out like my first four questions, <laughs> representative. Okay. So, so for our listeners, though, I do want to point out, you know, you are so knowledgeable because, you know, this was part of your platform, obviously, when you ran for state rep and, and your interest in serving uh, in legislature. You were then appointed as chairman of the special interim committee on broadband development, which I think when you share those anecdotes, you've heard them from your constituents, but I think you've heard those from Missourians all across the state. And then you've dovetailed your knowledge into now serving as as chair of a special house committee in which you are developing this omnibus package. So what I'm hearing from you and what I want to reiterate for our listeners is there is a pat a pattern of leadership because of your passion and knowledge and experience in this realm, you continue to be tapped uh, to help shepherd this. And I want you to know we appreciate that. And your knowledge is clearly evident in, in answering my first four questions without even you knowing what the four first four questions were. So it's so a good job. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I also want to emphasize that none of this happens in a vacuum. So in order for these committees to exist, uh, the Speaker of the House, Rob Vescovo, had to uh, had to agree um, that's been a priority of the speakers it's been a priority of the governors we, we have the most rural governor in my lifetime probably the most rural governor in any of our lifetimes who gets us big bold letters and i go back to a meeting we had 2017 he was had been uh what lieutenant governor for maybe six weeks we sent a delegation down from northeast and and Carolyn Crispin from Kirksville and me sat basically we hot boxed the governor, seven or eight of us in the room, and we just started in. You know, here's what we need, here's what we need, here's what we need. And the concluding remark was what we really need is one person in the state of Missouri to be the point person for broadband. That person didn't exist. And then Lieutenant Governor, now Governor Parson, looked up and he said, I'll do it. And to say we were shocked was the understatement of the years. Like we just leave those like, wow. Um, that was easy. Um, so that informed our conversation later in the day with the governor's policy director, then Governor Crichtons, uh, who just basically was flabbergasted, you know, blah, 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 blah. well, the governor wants to do it. We said, we don't care who does it, just needs to get done. And within a couple of months of that, we have the announcement, oh, we're going to get this group together over the Farm Bureau. So I look back, you know, in, in the causal chain of uh, events, having lieutenant governor at that time was willing to step up and say, I will do this. Uh, certainly helped that effort and having a governor who's made it a priority since the nanosecond he became governor is also a luxury that, that a lot of states just don't have. So, you know, this has been a group effort from the word go, but, you know, I've always told folks, you know, the speaker has my back on all of this from day one, has understood the importance of it. He's in Jefferson County. They've got bad internet there too. Um, but to have folks from all over the state in this space, realizing the need of uh, the, the bill we passed out the first time was in 2020 got out of the house 147 to 3 and 32 to nothing in the senate and this is not just a bipartisan issue this is a state issue uh this is rural it's urban it's also suburban and we've got you know deserts and suburbs around here we did a town hall and found out it's 25 percent of florida doesn't have good internet it's like what 
Um, we also had discussions we've never had before about digital literacy, digital, digital navigators, importance of that to workforce development, uh, the importance of that to entrepreneurship, but also the importance to our seniors uh, and, and folks with, with, uh, with you know, uh, mental health issues that can use broadband internet uh, to, to basically Zoom in meetings, WebEx, Teams, whatever platform they use. They don't have to go to the doctor's office. So this isn't just a COVID uh, notion. This is something if you're sick with a cold or flu, do you want to be around other people? No, you don't have to. But in order to get that service, you have to have the bandwidth available. But also you have to be able to understand how the equipment works. So I'm in the process now of putting together a statewide coalition of folks who do nothing but digital navigation which uh, Goodwill Industries in Kansas City has done that workforce with mobile units. They actually brought that to Jefferson City. 10 dedicated computer terminals, people on board, literally, who can walk you through how to put a resume together, how to put that resume on Indeed, and make it letter perfect because machines are reading your job applications now. If you've got something out of whack, if you've got a mis misspelling of a word or whatever, uh, that machine's going to spit you out and a human will never see your application. And that's just reality. And this is gonna accelerate with the internet of things, with smart whatever devices. This is the reality we have to, to skill up for. And from a workforce development perspective, this is absolutely necessary all across the state. And if this touches and concerns us all again, uh, and from a precision agriculture standpoint, uh, Director Chin came in and told us, you know, the exciting developments as far as what's going on in that space basically created a whole new industry didn't exist five years ago, reading GPS data, which is coming out in terabytes uh, from, you know, quarter sections, um, you know, a, a kernel of corn uh, now has, you know, a couple megs worth of information associated with it. So as we struggle with the weather, um, we we'll also struggle with input costs. We want to improve our yields. How do we do that? GPS. But we can't activate the GPS without a broadband internet signal. So everything we do, everywhere we look, somehow, way, shape, or form, it's broadband. And I, I keep harping on that, folks. We need to take a holistic look at this. It's not just a, a rural issue. This isn't everybody issue. This is all of us. And to think there are folks out there who still do not get mental health resources because of stigma attached with mental health issues is so 19th century. Uh, we need to get past that. And I think this is a way of getting at that. So I look at something Secretary Ashcroft had brought to me with regard to libraries, equipping them with HIPAA compliance spaces for folks to be able to do Zoom uh, for doctor's appointments or, or for mental health visits but at the same time use those as job centers. You know, I have over 340 public libraries. We have 34 job centers. We have a public library in every county in the state and some are already doing outstanding work. They're Wi-Fi hotspots now. And we found out how, how capable they were, also how nimble they were during the pandemic. They still maintain those capabilities. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to take the all hands on deck approach here, uh, but this is something that concerns everybody in the state of Missouri, like it or not. Uh, and it's it's an issue that, that crosses every every spectrum. When this is a Democrat, Republican, Independent, this is an everyone issue. And the quicker we get these resources to bear and, and get this thing done, 
the better off we're all going to be as a state. And my goal basically is to go from the, the early, you know, mid thirties, wherever we are at this moment, 31, 32, into the top 10. And I think we can do that with this legislation, uh, the funds that we're talking about, but just the pent up demand out there for the internet itself. Uh, and it's, it's also horrible to, to look at, you know, the counties in the state that have seen double digit population loss over the last 10 years are also the counties with the worst internet access. Conversely, Rawls County, which I'm about to inherit as part of my, my new uh, representative district, has some of the best internet in the state, but they also have uh, a population increase. So if you build it, they will come. Um, it's true. If you deploy it, they will live here. And we're seeing people from other parts of the state uh, come up. Of course, we've got Mark Twain Lake um, for recreational purposes, but also low taxes. Lots of, you know, sunshine, go out in your yard, uh, get your vitamin D, social distance. Hey, I got three acre lot. Um, but at the same time, we have amenities. We, you know, you're talking folks who are getting a gig internet up and down. And uh, it was at uh, actually a Farm Bureau meeting in Marion County where we had a little bit of uh, an argument between somebody who had recently obtained um, high-speed internet and somebody who was still waiting. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch, but at the same time, it's um, people are really frustrated by that. And, you know, my definition of universal access is the only reason you don't have it is you don't want it. And we'll be into you if you don't have it when it's time to sell your house because you're not going to sell it. And that's just the fact of the matter. And, you know, talking to realtors across the state, talking to folks who do this, um, talking to county commissioners who are in that space. Uh, this is something they are so on fire you know, about this because they see the immediate benefits in terms of their tax base, in terms of the quality of life, and on and on it goes. Uh, it's just the right time to get this done, and 2022 is is the year to, to get this out. Well, there's a lot to unpack with what you just covered. I'll say I'm a huge fan of an all of the uh, all hands on deck approach, so I appreciate the approach that you're taking uh, and your foresight in, in trying to position Missouri to to really leapfrog other states and advance uh, when it comes to deployment. You know, obviously your interest in precision ag uh, is also very important, you know, from my standpoint, you know, if we can get it to the farm gate, if we can uh, essentially digitize our acres where we can provide more opportunity to, to adopt precision ag, if we can do that, then everyone has benefited along the way, uh, you know, because some of us that live out in rural Missouri are the farthest to reach. So if we can if we can get to the farmer ranch gate then then by gosh we should have helped a lot of people along the way including a lot of communities and absolutely and we, we talk about this incessantly the young people are, are leaving they're not coming back how can we make that dynamic change it's a real simple answer give them what they want which is internet i've talked to ffa groups i've talked to people i've you know i've had in class over the years the answer is the same everywhere you go We've got to have this. They're digital natives. It's what they know. It's what they understand. They're not going to come back if we don't do it. Um, so it's it's encouraging to me. I look at something like Shelby County in my district that was one of the worst served counties in the state of Missouri. Uh, sat down in 2018. I attended those meetings, worked up a plan to say, okay, we've got two major priorities as a county. Number one is internet. Number two is we've got bad daycare. Just don't have enough folks out there doing it. The two are linked. If I can stay at home, I don't need the daycare necessarily. I don't need as much daycare. I don't have to drop the kids off there with me. 
Uh, and this is the type of thing where, you know, other counties had had similar discussions and were a couple others in the state. But when COVID hit, they had a plan. They knew exactly what to do and exactly how to do it. Um, they took CARES Act money, they plowed that into broadband. They've taken ARPA money, they plowed that into broadband. And now they're getting some love finally from the feds and TIA into Clarence and Shelbina um, in, in another part of my district, Monroe City. Folks who had never had any attention before basically now are getting it. But the reason for that is they have knocked it out of the park on a day-to-day -day basis with their planning. So I, I preach this wherever I go as well. You have regional planning commission sitting out there. Planning is in their name. Uh, and if you're a county commissioner or if you're a mayor and you have money that's still left out there that isn't stapled to something else for crying out loud, put it in broadband internet. The providers are out there. They want to go out and deploy this. Uh, they just basically need the seed corn to get at that. Uh, and that's the money that folks have sitting in their bank accounts at whatever bank in their county seat uh, that can actually be out there working. So from Marion County, our, our perspective, basically $2 million uh, internet uh, to providers to say, we're not going to do anything inside incorporated city limits. You have options, you're in town, we're going to put it out in the county. That's one approach. It's working out like gangbusters. Uh, so areas of the county that never had it before and weren't going to get it anytime soon are now, not only are they getting it, some already have it. So their deployment windows are nine to 18 months. I sat down with providers who literally will go down to address level and they can tell you within 30 to 60 days how long it's going to take to get there and within 50 to $100,000 and how much it's going to cost to be there. This stuff is all over the place. Um, it's it's not like people are waiting around for direction from Jefferson City. They're already out there doing it. So I encourage folks, you know, in that space, you're a county commissioner, if you're a member of the co-op board, light that dark fiber. Get out there, get that money out there, invest in people. Don't invest in depreciating assets like dump trucks and road graders. When you've got the opportunity to increase the population of your county, you've got the opportunity to increase the quality of life in that county and to get those acreages up to where we want them to be in terms of broadband access. So sitting on Highway 61, as I do, I get to see the trucks from uh, the Quad Cities go south with Johnny Putt-Putt on them. Uh, and the combines now are, are, are two flatbed trucks. Uh, they're huge. Um, you know, we know the county roads are getting pulverized. And that's another thing that we're trying to do in Jefferson City is, is to get those up to speed, literally and figuratively. Uh, but at the same time, they're GPS equipped every aspect of what they do. And how do we make that better? How do we increase the yields? How do we decrease those input costs? It's with that GPS data that they're interpreting that they've never had that opportunity before. So one hand washes the other on this and, and everybody needs to be in that space. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, please get in the game. <laughs> There's no excuse not to. There really isn't. I'd love to end on that note because that is a perfect line to end with. But I do have, I think, one more question for you, Representative, as we think about the home stretch of this session. Just for our listeners, just real quickly, what are the key decision points that will be made, hopefully, by the end? I know you're involved in budget talks. You've got your omnibus. Just with what time you have left, what are the key decision points? Um, key to decision point one is what do we do with the fund? So I think folks are gonna be pleasant, pleasantly surprised initial number. Um, I have assurances that that is going to increase on the house side substantially. 
what that ends up looking like at the end of the day when the budget process is done is anybody's guess. We send the budget over to the Senate and the Senate does what the Senate's going to do. Second key point will be how quickly we can get the omnibus over to the Senate and what the Senate's going to do with it, assuming that the Senate gets anything done aside from reading books, reading the journal and the budget. Um, so I'm hearing lots of, uh, you know, ominous hints on the other side of the building. Hopefully that, you know, this whole whatever mapping issue is put behind us sooner rather than later. Uh, but we've got a lot of work to do to get that done. And I'm anticipating about a month's work of quality time uh, between Senate and conference to get this, you know, across the finish line. So I get it. Um, folks on, on both sides of the building get this. It's not a partisan issue in any way, shape or form. This is a Missouri issue. Uh, so those, those, I think, are two you know, key points as far as what we do in that broadband space. Um, the last part of this equation is we're now back into endemic as of today, as, as opposed to pandemic. We don't want to take our foot off the gas in terms of deployment. Just because you know we're not going to see as much online education in the K through 12 doesn't mean we're not going to see the increased uh, use of online education, you know, in, in the college space. We're going to see a lot more of that. I look at a Western Governors University, it's all online. And that's the way higher education is, is, is going right at this instant because it's ease of administration, but it's also quicker. And it's something that the, the students can take these courses all year round. So the traditional four-year model is, is dead. Uh, what we need to do is just to make, maintain the momentum that we have and understand that the state funding has a three-year window on it. And basically, we want you to get that deployed within three years or give the money back. State standards are, or excuse me, Fed standards are ridiculously long compared to what we're doing at the state. So that's another point we need to make sure folks understand is we have a sense of urgency as a state government. We need to convey that sense of urgency to everybody else to make sure that again, we don't take our foot off the gas just because COVID quote unquote is a pandemic is over. Thank you, Lord. Doesn't mean that we don't have you know, a rationale to keep on deploying broadband as quickly as we can. Okay, fantastic. I think the words to summarize this discussion are maintain the momentum. That, that's what I'm hearing, and Missouri certainly uh, has picked up and gained steam. We appreciate your leadership, you keeping the foot, your foot on the gas to keep helping drive these conversations. We are so proud to be a partner with you, Representative. Thank you for well, joining us on this podcast. Thank you again for Farm Bureau's steadfast leadership in this space also, and, and frankly, we can't do it without Farm Bureau, uh, all the ag groups agree this is an absolute must, but Farm Bureau is, is basically the linchpin for these efforts has been invaluable and, and y'all provide space, resources, uh, and, and y'all do a great job and have since day one. So I wanna thank you as well as, as the organization for your steadfast, unwavering insistence that we've gotta get this done. And I look forward to working with y'all as well. Well, thank you. Our insistence is no joke, <laughs> even though it is April Fools. Uh, we just thank you. Thank you for, for joining us. And for those listening, thank you for joining uh, yet another edition of Digging In. We will uh, see you again sometime soon.
Take care.